This is the podcast of Christian Life Center, an Assemblies of God church in Springfield, Massachusetts. For more information, visit our website at clc413.com. If you would please turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Luke, chapter 2, and I've invited uh, my father-in-law, Gary Sweetman, who it's a joy to have visiting with us um, this morning uh, to read a portion of scripture for us. So welcome. Uh, Dad is going to come and share the reading of God's word with us today. Well, uh, you're turning to Luke chapter 2. It's a very touching portion for me. I've been to the Holy Land a couple times. I was raised by parents that lived paycheck to paycheck. Uh, I had a street ministry for five years. I, I saw that in the bullet. Who's, who's the head of that? Uh, Try going out after 11 p.m. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I didn't think I could ever do it. I don't know why God called me because I didn't feel I could do it. Went to Bible college, pastored, pastored a couple churches. Uh, Lord showed me I'd do far more outreach outside of the church than in a church. And through that, I joined an international church television ministry and it was uh, underpaid they said I had an executive position but I did, <laughs> didn't reflect in the, in the money why I say all that was a representative of the state of Israel came to my office and said uh, we'd like to fly you over to Israel and spend a week and uh, I said well I wouldn't mind that but I was living paycheck to paycheck. <laughs> he said, uh, all, all I need is about $700 from you. I said, oh, sorry, sir. I can't even give you that. He shook his head. He said, okay, I'm going to send you over for nothing. Enjoy it on the state of Israel. I didn't have much money with me, but this portion here, I was in Bethlehem. Uh, I felt I couldn't have lunch, but the other pastors, they all went in for lunch. And I thought, I don't have much money, so I'm just going to sit outside. And uh, I looked over the, the rolling hill in Bethlehem. And I sat there while everyone else was eating, and I was kind of not eating. I was pretending, you know, there's all these angels up here. And I had one of the best times of my life, just sitting there, looking at the sky, looking at the field. Luke chapter 2 comes out of my uh, New American Bible. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole world should be enrolled. This was the first enrollment when Quirinius was governor of Syria. So all went to be enrolled, each to his own town. And Joseph, too, went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David, to be enrolled with Mary, his betrothed, who was with 
child. While they were there, the time came for her to have her child. And she gave birth to her firstborn. She wrapped him in swaddling clothes and lied him, laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were shepherds in that region living in the fields and keeping watch over their flock. The angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. They were struck with great fear. That's my NAS Bible. The angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I proclaim to you the good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For today, in the city of David, a Savior has been born for you who is Messiah and Lord. This shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly hosts with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels went away from heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us go then to Bethlehem to see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went in haste and found Mary and Joseph and the infant lying in the manger. When they saw this, they made known the message that had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed by what had been told them by the shepherds. And Mary kept all these things, reflecting on them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard, just as it had been told to them. May the Lord bless his word to our hearts. Amen. See so many people out on a Christmas morning. Thank you very much, Dad. No doubt you have some special plans for today. If you would give me for the next 12 minutes your undivided attention, I want to share with you some words from God's Word that I believe are very important for us. In the book of Micah, chapter 5, verse 2, beginning in verse 2, it says these words. <coughs> but you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, are only a small village among all the people of Judah, and yet a ruler of Israel will come from you, one whose origins are from distant past. The people of Israel will be abandoned to their enemies until the woman in labor gives birth. Then at last his fellow countrymen will return from exile to their own land, and he will stand to lead his flock with the Lord's strength. In the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, then his people will live there undisturbed, 
for he will be highly honored around the world, and he will be the source of peace. Perhaps you have been watching the news and seeing the unfolding of things pertaining to the state of Israel and our, person, and our, our decisions that affect um, uh, things that affect the nation of Israel. The source of peace for that nation is going to be the Prince of Peace himself. And until the Prince of Peace is able to rule and reign in that nation... There will be no peace. And any treaty that is made will be a false treaty. As the book of Revelation tells us. That there will be a proposal of peace. But it will not be a genuine peace. But the day is coming where there will be a genuine peace. And that is through Jesus Christ. Who as verse 5 says there in Micah chapter 5. That he will be the source of peace. What a wonderful hope. I want to talk to you a little bit about a town, the town of Bethlehem. We sing about it. We read about it. The prophet Micah spoke about it, and he said, O Bethlehem, you're only a small village among all the people of Judah, and yet a, a ruler of Israel will come from you. Heavenly Father, I ask for your wisdom today to be able to communicate your heart to each one of us as we have our ears open to learn from your word. I pray your blessing upon your word today. And I pray that it will be communicated in your power and anointing. In Jesus' name, amen. When we look at all the places that could have been chosen for Jesus to be born in, the city of Bethlehem was a very unlikely location. And I want to draw some important conclusions from that that I believe affect us and apply to us today. The city of Hebron, for example, uh, played an important role in the beginning of Hebrew history. Abraham, Jacob, Joseph, and later David were associated with this city. I give a credit to Stephen Dow, who's, uh, some of his thoughts that I will be sharing with you today. On the other hand, the city of Jerusalem is an even more logical choice for the place where Jesus would be born. 611 times Jerusalem is mentioned in the Old Testament. And for centuries, from the day that David captured it from the Jebusites to make it his city, Jerusalem was the center of religious and civil life in Israel. The magnificent temple of Solomon was there, and the royal palace too. There was someone that was looking for a just the right place for Christ to be born. No doubt Jerusalem would have been one of the top picks. But then there was also Nazareth. This was a logical favorite because it was the home of Mary and Joseph. And what a better place to raise a child than your own hometown. It offered the most inconvenience. Life could go on as usual for Joseph, Mary, and Jesus, surrounded by relatives and neighbors. There wouldn't be any interruption in the daily flow of activity for them. So why Bethlehem? Bethlehem never in all of its history rose to a place of prominence. The two events stand out in its history, though. Bethlehem was where Israel's great and ideal king, poet, and hero David 
was born and grew up. Before that, there was a very beautiful love story, the story of Naomi, Ruth, and Boaz in the book of Ruth, which took place in Bethlehem. But for the most part, people came and went in Bethlehem with no sense of destiny for many years. We sing about that in the song, O Little Town of Bethlehem, How Still We See Thee Lie. Above thy deep and dreamless sleep the silent stars go by. Yet in thy dark streets shineth thy everlasting light. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. The word Bethlehem. Let's take a look at that for a moment. The name Bethlehem literally means house of bread. And I believe it is significant because Christ was born in Bethlehem to identify with the common person. Jesus was not born in a house of royalty, though he was the king. Nor was he born in a house of riches or the house of a celebrity. He was not born in Jerusalem, Rome, Athens, or Alexandria. Places that were notable. Jesus was not born in any political, commercial, cultural, educational, or socially significant city of the day. God wants to communicate a message to every single one of us through the way that he makes the presentation of his son. That God is interested in meeting us where we are. He's not looking to put himself in a pedestal, on a pedestal, or somewhere that is far away from the people for them to flock to. But rather, he desired to make himself available to the common folk. To you and I. The truth is, as Mike was saying, that all of us, are, our lives are like a flower that comes and goes. Further on in the book of James, it says that our life is like a vapor. It's here today, it's gone tomorrow, and isn't that the truth? We work so hard, we accumulate things, we take care of things, we clean things, we replace things to make things work. All this hard work in a world where everything is decaying on a regular basis, rust sets in, your house slowly falls apart. If you fix it, it's not going to stay fixed forever. And yet in the middle of all of this work that we do to maintain the material things around us that is all constantly heading towards decay. And yet, in the middle of that, God has placed within us a spirit that is eternal. And you and I, as we remain faithful to Christ, are going to a place where there is no decay. And a place where everything is made brand new. The rich person works for so much. The person who has a lot of notoriety and fame works so hard to maintain it, and yet it's all fleeting. It's all here today and gone tomorrow. And so when Jesus came, he didn't put a lot of emphasis on that because he knew it was a waste of time. And my friends, you and I would do well not to take our energy and our focus and put it on things that will soon pass away. 
but to put it on things that are eternal. And that's a really important lesson about the way that Jesus came. When he was born in Bethlehem, he made a statement. And that statement was is that he was putting emphasis on his arrival as God coming in the form of man so that he could redeem mankind, not through money, not through fame, not through a, a, a wealth of, of notoriety or because of a celebrity, but because he cared about us. His birth, after all, was announced to shepherds. It was not announced to the religious elite, the Pharisees, nor to those with political clout, those in King Herod's castle. His cradle was a manger. The truth is, is that you and I are richest when we know the creator of all things. We have access to anything because of Jesus Christ. I believe that if you and I truly grasp the reality that we have access to everything in Jesus, that we wouldn't whine and complain about the petty stuff. The more that we trust in the creator of all things, the one who owns, the Bible says, the cattle on a thousand hills, has the ability to take care of you. You don't determine your own destiny. God does. And when you surrender yourself to that reality, there's a great peace in that. To know that though you must work and be diligent, yet God is the one who provides the paycheck. And when you rest in him and trust in him, then you'll have true peace. And that's so important. So Jesus came. He came to minister to every single one of us. Bethlehem, the house of bread. Bread is something very common. We all need it to survive. Jesus came as the very bread of life. That when we have him, we have everything we need. Jesus satisfies our spiritual hunger. John 6.35 says, I, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never thirst. Jesus satisfies, he gratifies, and he strengthens us spiritually, just as bread does to us physically. And God is always trying to get our attention focused on the thing that really matters, the bread that really matters. But sometimes we're eating things that do not satisfy. And we get done, and we want more, and we want more, and we want more. Listen to these words from the prophet Isaiah in chapter 55, verse 2. Why spend your money on food that does not give you strength? Why pay for food that does you no good? Listen to me and you will eat what is good. You will enjoy the finest food. There are a lot of things in this world that bring temporary happiness. But only Christ can satisfy the eternal desire of our hearts. Christ is all that... Our soul needs for spiritual satisfaction. The fact that Jesus was born in the house of bread gives us confidence that God indeed wants to satisfy our spiritual hunger. And lastly, Christ was born in Bethlehem to testify that every single one of us must make a choice. We must choose him. If you and I sit down at a meal... If I eat a good meal, that meal will not satisfy the person sitting next to me. 
they'll have to eat their own meal. It's the same way with Jesus. Some people with good intentions get it mixed up. They think that somehow if the parents do a ritual when you are a baby or somehow the effect of someone else that even in certain places that certain people get baptized for other people that they try somehow to say that someone else's faith someone else's hunger is going to be fulfilled by the choice or decision of someone else. And yet God says to us, if you are willing, you come to me. You come. See, God, he only has children. And I hope you understand what I'm going to say. He doesn't have grandchildren. In the sense that he wants us to come directly to him. He wants us to understand that it's not on the faith of our mom and our dad. It's not on the faith of our spouse or the faith of our children that we are going to enter into his presence. But rather, we have to eat the meal ourselves. When we share communion together, what we are doing is is we are sharing the representation of the bread of life. Jesus said these words, they were very strong words, and after he said them, many of the disciples left him. He said that if you are not able to eat of me, you have no part with me. And what he was saying was, I am the bread you need to live. And I say to you today, if you're in this room, and you feel like you've been spinning your wheels throughout the year, working hard, but ends aren't meeting, always feeling like you're never able to make it, To the next step, I want you to know that there's more to this life than what you can get. There's more to this life than how much money is in your bank account. And the sooner you realize that, the sooner you'll have access to the true peace that God has for you. That you learn to be content with what God has provided for you. And as you're faithful with the little, God can entrust you with more. But if we don't, if we aren't thankful for the little... We won't be thankful when we get a lot. So sometimes God waits to see if we'll learn the lesson with the little that we have. So God says to us today, are you willing to have the bread that I offer to you? 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 17 says, Though we are many, we all eat from one loaf of bread, showing that we are one body. And who is that loaf of bread? Jesus, who was born in the house of bread. Jesus provides everything that your soul needs. Today, on this Christmas Day, we celebrate Jesus coming into this world. He came with a purpose because he loves us. He not only wanted to save our soul, but he wanted to give us, as he did in the Old Testament to all the Israelites, every single day they had a fresh manna that came from heaven for them to eat physically. God wants us to live daily with a fresh spiritual nutrition. That comes to us from the word of God. Beginning next Sunday which is January 1st, 
as a church body, we are going to begin to read through the Bible together as a church. You're going to get uh, an outline in your bulletin on, on a monthly basis to be able to read through the Bible uh, step by step together, the New Testament in one year, and then I've set it up for the Old Testament in two years. You could do both or you could do one, whichever you choose. But it's so critical that we as God's people eat daily of the bread of life. Because coming to sit in a church service is a wonderful thing, but that's just a portion of what God has in store for us. He wants us to be daily fed with the word of God. And I want to encourage and challenge every one of you to read the word of God every day in 2017. And with God's help, I'm going to do my best as a pastor to help make that available to you. But you're going to have to be the one to sit down at the table and to take that spiritual nutrition and allow it to become a part of your life. I can guarantee you this. If you do, your life will be different than it's ever been before, even if you've been walking with Jesus for many years. Because the word of God is powerful. It is alive. And it transforms our minds. It transforms our lives. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. You want to be a man and woman of faith in 2017? Read and believe and act upon the word of God. And the living bread will sustain you all throughout the year. And you will see all of a sudden you'll have energy in your spirit that you never had before. Just like when you eat a good meal and you get the strength that you need in your body, in the same way you eat a good spiritual meal, you have spiritual strength that you can't get any other way. This morning I'm going to ask if you could close yourself in with God for a moment. I never take for granted that because you're sitting in church, that every single person has taken advantage of the free gift of salvation that Jesus came to this earth to offer. My friend, as you're sitting in this place today, it's not by accident. God wants you to know this morning that he loves you very much. And he wants you to be ready to meet him. Just as Jesus came the first time, he is coming again. And I want you to be ready. And so I want to ask you a question. Have you asked Jesus to come in and to make him the Lord of your life, to repent of your sin, to say, God, I surrender my heart to you? The Holy Spirit says today is the day of salvation. There's no guarantee for tomorrow. If you're here in this place and you'd say, Pastor, I want to ask Jesus to clean my heart, to come in and make me a brand new person. I want my name to be written in the book of life. If that's you, would you raise your hand right where you're sitting? I want to pray with you this morning. Because God wants to transform your heart and your life. God sees your hand and yours. And yours. Is there anyone else present this morning that you want God to feed you 
of that spiritual bread and give you life. God sees your hand and yours. Now, friends, as you raised your hand, that was a step of faith. And what I'm going to do now is I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And there's nothing, nothing just about the words alone, but the words coming from a sincere heart. God hears and he responds. And the Bible says that as you ask, he responds. And in just a moment, you're going to ask him to come in to clean your heart. And guess what? He's going to do it. In 1 John 1, 9, it says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Everything you've done in your past, it, in just a few moments, because of the blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross, all that sin is going to be paid for and it's all going to be wiped away. And you will be forgiven in the name of Jesus. So I ask you to join me this morning as we pray this prayer together. Church family, I invite you to pray with me and those who raised your hand as you pray this from the bottom of your heart. God is going to do a supernatural work in you. Let us pray together. Dear Lord Jesus, I acknowledge today that I need the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. I repent of all my sin. Please forgive me. Please clean my heart and make me a brand new person. I choose from this day forward to honor you with my life, to decide day by day to do what pleases you. Thank you for washing me clean. Thank you for sending your Holy Spirit to come and live inside of me. I dedicate myself to you, Jesus. Amen and amen. Now, if you look at me for just a moment, there's some very important things. If you raised your hand and you prayed that prayer, there's three key things I want you to know. Number one, you, you have now a relationship with your creator. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. You now have direct access because you've come through Jesus. So you can talk to him like your friend. You don't have to use big language to talk to God. Tell him. Tell him your emotions, everything. Communicate with him. That's prayer. Second thing, you need to read God's word, the Bible. Read a little bit every day. I encourage you to read from the book of John. Start in the book of John and read a little bit. It's not so important how much you read, but whether you're grasping it. Let the word of God breathe life into your spirit. If you don't have a Bible, I want you to have one. And I have some Bibles. So if you don't have one and you made that decision this morning, would you please come see me? This will be yours, all right? And I want to make sure that you have access to the Word of God. Third, it's important to get together with people who love Jesus. We welcome you here. We love Jesus. It's important. 
because the enemy is constantly, constantly trying to destroy us spiritually. We're in a battle. When you come to Christ, it's not always a bed of roses. Sometimes you've got some serious battles to fight, and guess what? You've got some battle buddies with you here, and we'll help fight for the glory of God. We love you. Welcome to the family of God. Let's give the Lord praise.